Welcome to another episode of Aminder. This is Glory, your host for today. In this episode, we're talking all about synapses and how they're affected by neurodegenerative diseases and conversely, how disruptions at the synapse themselves can contribute to these disease pathologies. If you don't already know, Alzheimer's disease is associated with synaptic failure. Amyloid beta soluble species interfere with synaptic functions, aggregate gradually, form plaques, and trigger neurodegeneration. In this podcast, you'll also be hearing about how several neurotransmitter signaling pathways, including glutamatergic and cholinergic systems, are impaired in AD. Today's episode will be broken down into four blocks of publications from January 2021. We have 13 papers to cover, so if you get excited about synaptic biology like me, keep listening. Welcome to Aminder, a podcast where we summarize the latest publications on Alzheimer's disease for you, so you can spend more time doing awesome research. For every month, you'll find a series of episodes by theme, and each comes with a bibliography. Whether you're in the lab, on the bus, or cooking your meal, we hope you find this podcast useful and accessible. Before I dive into the literature, this is a reminder that these are unbiased summaries based on the abstracts of peer-reviewed papers, and here at Aminder, we don't search for details in the papers like impact factor. We also don't check the methods or data in any detail. We just report what the abstract states. This is meant to provide you with an overview, but if you want to follow up on anything you hear today, we encourage you to find the papers in the bibliography and give them a proper read. Now let's get into the science. Our first block of papers focuses on changes to neurotransmitter signaling systems in Alzheimer's pathogenesis, in particular glutamate and glutamate receptors. You'll also hear a bit about how Alzheimer's pathology affects the cholinergic system in the brain. Our first paper was published in Experimental Brain Research and is titled Step Inhibition Prevents Amyloid Beta-Mediated Damage in Dendritic Complexity and Spine Density in Alzheimer's Disease. The first author is Chatterjee and the last author is Lombroso from Yale University. STEP, or striatal enriched protein tyrosine phosphatase, is a protein tyrosine phosphatase that is enriched in the central nervous system. STEP's role is to oppose synaptic strengthening by dephosphorylating key substrates such as the GLUN2B subunit of the NMDA receptor. Previous research links Alzheimer's pathophysiology with elevated expression of STEP. In this study, the authors show that both genetic reduction and pharmacological inhibition of STEP improve cognitive function and hippocampal memory in the triple transgenic mouse model of Alzheimer's disease. With this improvement in cognitive function, they also saw an improvement in synaptic connectivity in both cell cultures and the AD mouse model. Therefore, the authors suggest that STEP inhibitors may be a promising therapeutic agent against Alzheimer's development. Paper number two is titled Hippocampal Degeneration and Behavioral Impairment During Alzheimer-Like Pathogenesis Involves Glutamate Excitotoxicity and was published in the Journal of Molecular Neuroscience by first author Olajidi and last author Adeneyi, sorry if I mispronounced those, um, from the University of Eloran in Nigeria and Concordia University in Montreal, Canada. Amyloid beta is known to mediate changes in the glutamatergic system in Alzheimer's disease. These authors were interested in how injection of glutamate into the hippocampus of rats might affect behavior and expression of certain proteins or neurochemicals. They also specifically looked at hyperactivation of NMDA receptors with the NMDA antagonist memantine. These mice showed behavioral changes in response to glutamate injection, including anxiety-like behavior in the open field tests and spatial memory impairments in Y-maze tests. The authors report that these behaviors were reduced by blocking NMDA receptors. The authors found that glutamate treatment also induced several neurodegenerative changes that were associated with excitotoxicity, including initiation of reactive astrogliosis, 
changes to expression of neurogenic markers and apoptotic regular proteins, as well as other changes, so check out the paper for all of the details. Almost all of these glutamate mediated changes were blocked by the NMDA receptor antagonists, according to the authors, highlighting the important role of glutamate signaling specifically through this receptor in the hippocampus for these effects. Moving on to paper number three, which was published in the journal Neurotoxicity Research. This paper is titled Regulation of MGLUR1 on the Expression of PKC and NMDA Receptor in Aluminum Exposed PC12 Cells, and was published by first author He and last author Niu from the Shengxi Medical University in China. Here, researchers created a neurotoxicity cell model to study the Alzheimer's-like effects of aluminum on synaptic plasticity. They found that aluminum treatment inhibited both mRNA expression and protein levels of protein kinase C and NMDA receptor subunits. The authors also note that aluminum may control the expression of NMDA receptor subunits 1 and 2b through the metabotropic glutamate receptor subtype 1. This receptor, in turn, regulates enzymatic activity of protein kinase C. They speculate that this may influence learning and memory, but didn't directly test this. In conclusion, the results suggest that the signaling pathway between the metabotropic glutamate receptor, protein kinase C, and NMDA receptors mainly involves positive regulation, and this pathway can be studied in the future to understand the neurotoxic mechanism of aluminum. Our fourth paper is titled Alpha-synuclein oligomers induce glutamate release from astrocytes and excessive extrasynaptic NMDA receptor activity in neurons, thus contributing to synaptic loss. This paper was published in the Journal of Neuroscience by researchers from the Scripps Research Institute at Kent State University in the United States. The first author is Treadler and the last author is Lipton. This paper focused on the effects of alpha-synuclein and its mechanisms of synaptic damage, particularly in relation to Lewy body protein aggregates that are linked to several neurodegenerative disorders such as Parkinson's and Alzheimer's diseases. In vitro, the researchers found that alpha-synuclein oligomers induce glutamate release from astrocytes. Similarly, overexpression of alpha-synuclein in vivo in mice caused an increase in glutamate release. They found that this extracellular glutamate then binds to and activates glutamate receptors, including extrasynaptic NMDA receptors on neurons. Not only that, but they also claim that oligomerized alpha-synuclein itself can directly activate these same receptors and induce synaptic loss. The authors found that the drug nitrosynapsin reverses these negative effects. It's important to note that the last author on this paper actually states a conflict of interest as an inventor of this drug. But nonetheless, they report that this improved NMDA receptor antagonist selectively inhibits extrasynaptic NMDA receptors over physiological synaptic receptors and protects against synaptic spine loss induced by alpha-synuclein oligomerization in their model systems. More work needs to be done on this drug, but it may be a promising intervention strategy for certain neurodegenerative diseases. The title of our fifth paper is Caspase 1 slash interleukin 1 beta represses membrane transport of GLU-A1 by inhibiting the interaction between stargazin and GLU-A1 in Alzheimer's disease. The first author is Gu and the last author is Wang from the second affiliated hospital of Nanchang University in China, and it was published in the journal Molecular Medicine. This paper used the amyloid beta peptides 1 to 42 induced cell model and the APP PS1 mouse model for Alzheimer's disease to explore the mechanism of action of caspase 1 plus interleukin 1 beta in Alzheimer's. The authors treated these mice and hippocampal neurons from the cell model with a caspase 1 inhibitor and found that blocking caspase 1 activity improved spatial memory and memory ability, and also decreased senile plaque position in the AD mice. Inhibition of this enzyme also induced membrane transport of GLU-A1 in these mice. 
Similarly, treatment of the AD hippocampal neurons with this caspase 1 inhibitor reversed the increase in apoptosis and decrease in GLUA1 membrane transport that's caused by amyloid beta. They proposed that caspase 1 represses membrane transport of GLUA1 by blocking the interaction between stargazing and GLUA1 in Alzheimer's pathology. Their results showed that caspase 1-interleukin-1-beta can be a possible target as an Alzheimer's treatment. Paper number 6 switches gears a bit from glutamate transmission to acetylcholine transmission. This one is published in the Journal of Neurobiology of Disease and is titled Early Changes in Synaptic and Intrinsic Properties of Dentate Gyrus Granule Cells in a Mouse Model of Alzheimer's Disease Neuropathology and Atypical Effects of the Cholinergic Antagonist Atropine. The first author is Alcantara Gonzalez, and the last author is Scharfman. In this study, researchers from the Nathan Klein Institute for Psychiatric Research in New York were interested in characterizing changes in granule cells of the dentate gyrus at the single cell level. Their goal was to better understand Alzheimer's-related hyperexcitability. In a mouse model that shows early hyperexcitability, the granule cells of these mice displayed a higher frequency of spontaneous excitatory postsynaptic potentials and currents as well as lower frequency of spontaneous inhibitory synaptic events compared to wild-type mice. This reflects an increase in the excitation inhibition ratio. They showed that this hyperexcitability in vivo was dampened by the muscarinic cholinergic antagonist atropine, which may reflect abnormal regulation of cholinergic activity in these granule cells. They also found a unique inward NMDA receptor-dependent current with distinct intrinsic properties in these hyperexcitable mice. The authors claim that their study provides evidence for increased synaptic excitation, reduced inhibition, and dysregulation of the muscarinic cholinergic system in granule cells of these hyperexcitable mice early in development. This would support the hypothesis that the dentate gyrus is indeed involved in early hyperexcitability and cholinergic dysfunction in this AD mouse model. But check the paper for more details. Our seventh paper is titled Modified Snake Alpha Neurotoxin averts beta amyloid binding to alpha-7 nicotinic acetylcholine receptor and reverses cognitive deficits in Alzheimer's disease mice. It was published in the Journal of Molecular Neurobiology by first author Fonar and last author Samson from the Bar Ilan University in Israel. This abstract requires a bit more background since it would probably be too random to start talking about a snake neurotoxin out of nowhere. So, amyloid beta is known to bind to alpha-7 nicotinic receptors, and exposure of the brain to high concentrations of amyloid beta reduces activity of these receptors. This directly contributes to the massive loss of cholinergic neurons and alpha-7 nicotinic receptors in AD that is highly correlated with cognitive decline. Since amyloid beta and snake alpha neurotoxins are known to competitively bind to alpha-7 nicotinic receptors, these researchers designed a chemically modified version of alpha-coprotoxin, which they called M-toxin, to try to block the harmful binding of amyloid beta with these receptors. In this paper, they studied the effects of M-toxin in a host of AD models, in silico, in vitro, ex vivo, and also in AD mice. The first finding to note is that M-toxin didn't show any toxicity effects in brain slices or in mice. Moving forward, the authors found that M-toxin reversibly inhibits alpha-7 nicotinic receptors. According to the abstract, this helped improve synaptic transmission abnormalities induced by amyloid beta, and also upregulated pathways that support long-term potentiation and reduce apoptosis. In the 80 model animals, they also report that chronically administering this toxin leads to improvements in memory. Therefore, they conclude that M-toxin has unique neuroprotective properties that can be used to our advantage to design treatments for Alzheimer's through future clinical development.
Paper number 8 now moves us away from mouse and cell models to the nematoid worm C. elegans. This one is titled, Absence of Metabotropic Glutamate Receptor Homologues Accelerates Acetylcholine Neurotransmission in Cinerhabditis elegans. It was published in the journal Neuroscience Letters by Sadananda and Subramaniam from the Sri Ramachandra Institute of Higher Education and Research in India. This study compared the human and mouse metabotropic glutamate receptors with their homologues in C. elegans as a system to probe the downstream effects of glutamate signaling on acetylcholine neurotransmission. Metabotropic glutamate receptor will be referred to as MGL for the rest of the abstract. They found that the MGL1-3 receptor homologs from C. elegans showed around 30-40% to homology with their mammalian counterparts. I'm not going to go into the specific methods and comparisons used in this study, but check out the paper if you're interested in the details. Moving forward, they changed acetylcholine levels in loss-of-function C. elegans mutants of these three isoforms of metabotropic glutamate receptors, as well as in PI3 kinase and the NMDA receptor mutants. When using a compound to increase acetylcholine at the synapse, they found that all of the mutants were hypersensitive to this compound compared to wild-type controls, and the MGL3 receptor specifically contributes most to overall acceleration of acetylcholine neurotransmission. In summary, the authors claim that glutamate receptors and their signaling pathways can alter acetylcholine neurotransmission permanently, and this interplay can be targeted by potential therapeutics for Alzheimer's disease. Hey listeners, I'm here to let you know Aminder is recruiting. If you're interested in joining us, shoot us an email at aminderpodcast at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Enjoy the rest of the episode. Continuing in the realm of neuronal transmission, our next set of papers deal with the plasticity of synaptic transmission, mainly on the process known as long-term potentiation, or LTP. LTP is probably the most studied form of synaptic plasticity, and it's defined as a persistent enhancement of synaptic strength induced by a specific pattern of synaptic activity. Most of these papers hone in on the hippocampus to study these mechanisms. First up is paper number 9, titled Inhibitory Neural Networks Impairments at hippocampal CA1 LTP in an aged transgenic mouse model of Alzheimer's disease. It was published in International Journal of Molecular Science by first author Seo and last author Kim from Tronam National University in South Korea. In this study, the authors were interested in how the signaling pathway between neuregulin 1 and its receptor ERB4 affects neuronal networks that underlie hippocampal long-term potentiation. They studied this in the high symptom severity 5X FAD mouse model of Alzheimer's disease. They found that the number of parvalmin-containing hippocampal interneurons was significantly reduced in 11-month-old mice. Meanwhile, at 6 months of age, they observed a decrease in synaptic transmission in these AD mice. In addition to fewer inhibitory parvalmin interneurons, the older mice also showed defective neuregulin ERB4 signaling compared to wild-type mice. This suggests that in older AD mice, neuronal networks in the hippocampal Schaefer collateral pathway related to long-term potentiation are impaired. Together, the researchers concluded that mice in the Alzheimer's model exhibit defective LTP, which is associated with disruptions in neuregulin or B4 signaling in neurons. Next, we have paper number 10, published in the Journal of Neuroscience. The title is Rapid Aging in the Perforant Path Projections to the Rodent Dentate Gyrus. The first author is Amani, and the last author is Lynch, from the University of California, Irvine. In this study, researchers discovered that there is rapid aging in the perforant path projections from layer 2 enterhinocortex, the dentate gyrus, and hippocampus of rodents aged 8 to 10 months old. Based on electrophysiology and quantitative imaging, 
they found reduced synaptic plasticity, changes in pre- and postsynaptic protein levels, altered endocannabinoid signaling, and significant impairments in an episodic memory task that depends on projections from the entorhinal cortex. We know that layers 2 and 3 of the entorhinal cortex deteriorate before other regions during the earliest stages of Alzheimer's disease. This research helps explain this by showing that memory-related synaptic plasticity in these projections is particularly sensitive to aging, and loss of this plasticity and associated signaling likely predisposes entorhinal neurons to functional decline in young adulthood. Please check out the paper if you want more info on their results and methods. Next up, we have two papers that cover synapse structure and structural plasticity in Alzheimer's disease. Number 11 on our list is titled Single Neuron Dynamical Effects of Dendritic Pruning Implicated in Aging and Neurodegeneration Towards a Measure of Neuronal Reserve and was published in Scientific Reports by Kirch and Golo from the QIMR Bergofer Medical Research Institute and the Queensland University of Technology in Australia. Aging is often accompanied by cognitive decline as well as structural changes in the brain including reduced gray matter volume and dendritic integrity. The authors of this paper used a detailed computational approach to simulate aging effects such as dendritic pruning on neuron morphology. Using digitally reconstructed neurons, they were also able to look at dynamics. They found that dendritic pruning caused changes in neuron integrity by reducing their firing rate. According to their model, this decrease in firing rate led to a decrease in energy consumption, energy efficiency, and dynamic range in these neurons. Therefore, these pruned neurons require less energy, but their function is often impaired. This may be reflected in the reduced pattern separation ability observed in the elder population. The researchers also note that there are differences in the resilience of neuronal dynamics that depend on several factors, and they propose a new classification system that measures neuronal reserve as a capacity to resist or recover from dendritic pruning. Paper number 12 was published in eNeuro and is titled ADAP1 slash Centaurin Alpha 1 Negatively Regulates Dendritic Spine Function and Memory Formation in the Hippocampus. The first author is Satsmari and the last author is Yasuda from Max Planck Florida Institute for Neuroscience and Florida Atlantic University. Centurin Alpha-1 is involved in regulating dendritic differentiation in the brain and may potentially play a role in mediating Alzheimer's disease pathogenesis. This protein, which I'll refer to as CentA1, functions as an ADP ribosylation factor 6 GTPase activating protein and is highly enriched in the brain. The authors wanted to better understand the neurobiological functions of CentA1 signaling in the brain. Using knockout mice for this gene, they found that loss of CentA1 results in a significant increase in density and structural plasticity of dendritic spines in the CA1 region of the hippocampus compared to wild type controls. Deletion of the CentA1 gene also improved performance in the object-in-place spatial memory task, suggesting a role in hippocampus-dependent memory formation. Together, their research suggests that CentA1 signaling negatively regulates both spine density and plasticity, as well as spatial memory. Therapies that block the CentA1 signaling pathway may protect against memory decline associated with aging and AD. To end off today's episode on synapses and their function, we have a paper that translates synaptic loss to memory impairments as a behavioral readout. Paper number 13 is titled Restoration of the Reduced CLSP Activity Alleviates Memory Impairment in Alzheimer's Disease. It was published in the journal Translational Psychiatry by first author Hashimoto and last author Matsuoka from Tokyo Medical University in Japan. This paper focuses on the role of the protein, calmodulin-like skin protein, in Alzheimer's disease pathogenesis. I'll refer to this protein as CLSP for this summary. CLSP is a secreted peptide that blocks neuronal death in AD cell models. 
In addition, overexpression of the gene that encodes CLSP in an AD mouse model prevents synapse loss and memory impairment. Therefore, these researchers thought that this protein could act as an AD suppressor. What they didn't know was whether lack of CLSP activity was directly linked to the development of AD. So in this paper, the author's first step was to determine which factors control activity of this protein in the central nervous system. They found that adiponectin was a potentiator of CLSP and the main determinant of its activity in the CNS, even though there are actually higher levels of CLSP inhibitors and a lower concentration of adiponectin. Next, the researchers measured the levels of brain adiponectin and the intraneuronal levels of another important effector of the CLSP signal. Levels of both brain adiponectin and this effector were reduced in patients with Alzheimer's disease, as well as in the AD mouse model, leading to less active CLSP. The researchers could restore CLSP activity by injecting the mice with a hybrid peptide that contained a portion of the CLSP molecule and a region of the adiponectin protein. They claim that subcutaneous injection of this hybrid reaches the brain and helps reduce dementia and neuronal loss in aged 80 mice. Together, the authors suggest that in 80 brains, there is a reduction in CLSP activity, which is likely linked to lower levels of adiponectin, and this reduction leaves the neurons susceptible to neurotoxicity mechanisms. Fortunately, their work also provides evidence for restoration of the CLSP activity as a promising strategy for the treatment of Alzheimer's disease. And that's all for this episode. As always, you can check out the bibliography for each of the papers mentioned in this episode. You can find them in the show notes. We are still recruiting. If you're interested in joining the A-Minor team, please send us an email with your CV and tell us a little about what you'd like to do with us. For updates on our podcast, or if you just want to reach out, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And lastly, a big thank you to the whole team that put this episode of A-Minor together.